Welcome to It's Time, the daily Bible teaching program of Mike Kessler, pastor of the River Christian Fellowship in Twin Falls, Idaho. Today we're going verse by verse through the book of John. So turn there in your Bibles as we join Pastor Mike. Now remember, Moses fled Egypt because he killed an Egyptian slave. He thought he would be the savior of his people, and instead, the Jewish people betrayed him, saying, what are you going to do? Kill us like you killed the Roman guard? Moses knew he was found out. He gets on his chariot, and he gets out of town. Forty years, Moses thought he was a somebody cruising around the chariot, raised by Pharaoh's daughter, 40 years in the wilderness, being a nobody. He went from literally, almost literally, like the prime minister of Egypt, to a nobody in a day. And then he has an encounter with God, sees a burning bush. It doesn't burn out. He goes up. What's going on here? God says, take your shoes off. We got some talking to do. God begins to share with him how he was going to go to talk to Pharaoh to set the people free. You know, it's interesting. 40 years, Moses was a somebody. For 40 years after that, he was a nobody. And then after the burning bush experience for the next 40 years, God showed Moses what God does with nobodies and literally defeated one of the most powerful nations in the world with God's help. I think it's important. And so Judas Iscariot, betraying Jesus, his whereabouts, and shows up. And Jesus says, who are you looking for, gang? Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus goes, I am. That eagle Amini, that same bush. When God, Moses, by the way, goes, and God, who shall I see sent me to Pharaoh? God spoke to him and said, tell him the I am sent you. Okay. And that's what he did. We remember Jesus in John 8, 58. They were chiding Jesus about him claiming to be God. And they said to him, you're yet 50 years old and you say you've seen, you've seen Abraham? And Jesus said, before Abraham was, and here it was, I am. Ego meaning. The same word that God spoke to Moses saying he was the I am is the same word that Jesus said to those who believed that Jesus wasn't God. He said he was the I am. And now we find here Jesus is claiming to be the I am again. That's why he that was added in here is not really because it takes away from the I am of who he says he was. Now notice this. And he said... Whom are you seeking again? They said, Jesus of Nazareth. I have told you that I am he. Therefore, you seek me. Let these go. And by the way, he says, when he said, I am, they all fell back and fell to the ground as we read earlier. You know, Jesus didn't have to be caught. How could you just see Jesus with these people? Who are you seeking? Jesus of Nazareth. I am. They all fall down. So they all get up again. We're going to arrest you. Jesus goes, I am. Walks a little bit farther. They're following. I am. He didn't have to get caught. Jesus willfully 
went because he knew that he had to be the sacrifice that took our place. Friends, we're rascals. Apart from Christ, Paul says, no good thing dwells in the flesh. Have you been alive long enough to know your thought patterns, your ideas, that we realize, well, God, I need you? Well, you do. That's the way God works. It's because he loves us and he took our place. And so Jesus answered, I have told you that I am. Therefore, if you seek me, let these go their way. I think this is amazing here. Jesus is telling this mob, he's still in, Jesus is still in control. He's saying, you're seeking me. Let these guys go, his disciples. Now, what, what I think is amazing about that is that Jesus is there. His disciples are just waking up. They hear the commotion. Whoa, 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 what's going on? That the saying might be fulfilled which he spoke. Of those whom you gave me, I have lost none. Then Simon Peter, having just woke up. (laughs) I put that in there. If you look at the other. um, uh, By the way, this story is recorded in all four Gospels about what Peter does here. Then Simon Peter, having a sword, drew it and struck the high priest's servant and cut off his right ear. The servant's name was Malchus. Wow. Now, you you can't say Peter's a coward. Let's go back. Let's go back to verse 3, okay? And it says, They came with the Pharisees, and there were lanterns, torches, weapons. There was a whole gang, and Peter pulls out his sword and whacks off this boy's ear. (laughs) I think about that. Now, uh, notice something else here. It says, cut off his right ear. I want you to think about this for a minute. You're facing somebody, okay? Their right ear is going to be on this side, okay? So if you have a sword, if you have a sword and you pull it out and you're going to cut off their right ear, that means that either he hit him from behind or he was turning to walk away. Because otherwise, he would have cut off his left ear. In other words, it would have been your right hand facing his left side. But he had to kind of, no, he turned. When? That made it easy. Peter is the original guy in the Hanning world, we would say, ready, shoot, aim. Instead of ready, aim, shoot. Peter cuts off his ear. Luke records for us that Jesus' last physical miracle that he did. There's some discussion on this. We'll talk about this in uh, a week or so. Uh, the last miracle he did, he took Malchus's ear and put it back on. Now, you'd think at that point, everybody that was there arresting him would have said, wow, we've never seen anything like this. We're leaving. But they didn't. And they continued there. And so it says, Peter, Jesus said to Peter, Put away your sword into its sheath. Shall I not drink of the cup which my father has given me? Now notice this. Jesus recognized what he was about to go through was God's, the father's will for his life. Now friends, I think this is really important because this flies in the face of so many mega church mentalities today that says you put Jesus in your pocket you can make God your puppet he'll make your dreams and your visions come true 
Where Jesus, on the other hand, says, I've got to do what my Father has called me to do. And though it be uncomfortable, and maybe in the flesh, I don't really want to do it. I'm going to do what God wants me to do. Friends, I have found in my life, doing what God wants you to do is usually not what I want to do. Usually what I want to do is take the easy way. Look for some, some, some slip out the back jack kind of idea. God's will sometimes is for us to face confrontation. And I, I, I'm the kind of person, and you know why we don't like confrontation? Do you know why sometimes we don't share our faith? It isn't that we don't have a message that we know that will change their life, but fans, friends, let's face it. The reason why we oftentimes don't share our faith is because of what? Rejection. Rejection. And nobody wants to be rejected. I'm not saying we all want to be popular, but I don't want to be rejected. But at the same time, I have a message that is greater than what I may feel I have an obligation to my fellow man to tell them about what is about to happen in their life, in this world. See, God, the Bible says, has put in all of us treasure in earthen vessels. We're an earthen vessel. You know, the Bible says our bodies were made out of dirt, scraped it up, breathed life into us, and here we are. The Bible says our body was made out of dust, and to dust it will return. It does that. But God has put something in this earthen vessel, in your earthen vessel, as he says, that we would be one in him. He's put his Holy Spirit in us. And that does amazing things. Because now we have an eternal purpose. Now, that eternal purpose can be that which will change people's lives forever. Remember this. The only thing going from this world into the next is people. Oftentimes, the things that I myself, others I've known, and all of us in general have done that we devote sometimes so much time to, never going to leave this earth. The Bible says it's all going to burn. But those things which are eternal, which are people... That's what goes into eternity. And so what God endeavors to do is not only have us see ourselves the way God sees us, as we started off this morning's message, but that we would also see God's purpose and meaning for people of this world as well. The Bible says God came that no one would perish, but that all would have eternal life. Jesus didn't just die for a few. He died for everybody, if we will accept that. That's why the Bible says the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. What's a gift? A gift is something we didn't earn. If it was something we earned, it would be called wages. But the gift of God is for those who will receive it. Now, what do I have to do to take the gift? Take it. That's why the Bible also says the gift of the Holy Spirit. What did I do to receive the gift of of the Holy Spirit, the power from on high? Um, Well, I did a lot of really good stuff. I I, I did a lot of spiritual stuff. I went down and... No, no, it's a gift. You just receive it like you receive salvation. What is that gift? Power from God. So all of a sudden, when I'm filled with the power of God... I don't care maybe so much what people think of me. Uh, If if they reject the message and, and I'm rejected, that's all right, because I realize that God has accepted me. And you see, when you're accepted by God, other things don't matter like they did before. 
I use the analogy sometimes of a going out and buying a brand new car. And you buy a brand new car, and, and, and it's setting in the parking lot, and then some, some uh, buddy parks alongside of you and puts a big door ding in the side of your car. Now, let, let's just say that your daddy calls you on the phone. I guess the question would be, who's your daddy? Sorry. Calls you on the phone and says, look, anytime you want a new car, you just go down and get it. I'll take care of the bill. Now, if you saved up your whole life and bought your car and there was a door ding on the side, that would bother you. I, I don't know. Does it bother anybody or just me? It bothered me. You know, you know, and it doesn't matter how much the rest of the car is doing good. You see that one thing and you go, you go, oh, you see that. But if I knew that I could have a new car without a door ding in it anytime I wanted, would that door ding bother me anymore? No, because I know it's temporary. Because I get something new whenever I need it. Ah, that's the way it works. If the world rejects me, in other words, if the world puts a door ding in my heart, it doesn't matter so much when I know I have a Father in heaven who's the fixer of the dings. You see, friends, if we're going to be about our Father's business, we will have tribulation, Jesus said. It's not if, you will. It's a promise. I don't like that, but it's true. But then God gave us something in the midst, and we see Jesus here under what we might say tremendous persecution at this time. They came to arrest him while he was in the garden. You know the last time man was in the garden? And through the ear, Satan said to Eve, has God said you shall not eat of this tree? He just doesn't want you to be smart as he is. If you eat of the tree, you'll be a god yourself. There's even religions today that will placate that. If you eat of the tree, you'll know the difference between good and evil. Through the ear, in the garden, man lost paradise. It's interesting, in this story, we have man in the garden, now with Jesus, cuts off what? His ear, bloodshed, and Jesus restores us to his Father's side. Coincidence? I don't think so. I think it's amazing how God does things. What the devil desired to destroy us over, to paralyze us, whether it be persecution, whether it be hurt feelings, whether it be rejection, whether it be a traitor as Judas Iscariot was. And by the way, friends, his ratio, Jesus' ratio was one in 12 on a traitor. One in 12 on a traitor. That was God. Where do you think that leaves you and me? I don't pick them as good as Jesus does. So we have a lot less ratio of traitors. But that's why we want to be the family of God. Jesus said that they would be one as we are one. So Jesus can come along and fix the dings that the world does. The rejection, the hurt, the pain, the sorrow. I need someone to fix me. And the older I get, the more I realize that. You know, we realize when we were little, we'd fall down and scream. And our mom or dad would come run and pick us up and dust us off. And and, and say, you're going to make it. You're going to... I found as I get older, I need that. 
I found that there's never a time in my life that I don't need to be restored by the hand of God. Don't ever think in your Christian experience, you're going to get to the plateau where you say, well, you know, I don't need anybody. No one needs me. I'm a rock. I'm an island. God says, no, you're always going to need me. Paul says it best where he says, whereby we crawl up into our daddy's lap and we cry, Abba, Father, Paul tells us. That word Abba, Father, means that close, intimate relationship where you put your arm around your daddy's neck and say, Daddy, help me. Listen, you'll never come to a point, and I pray God never lets you come to the point where you do not realize your need for him. David said that too. He said, God, don't make me rich that I forget you, and don't make me poor that I embarrass you because I'm begging In other words, there's a blessed balance involved. That's what God does. You see, if you're not a born-again Christian here today, no one is driving the train. It's going wherever it goes down the tracks that the world has laid for it. Don't let yourself get ripped off. you got a Father in heaven that loves you, that has a design for your life. Again, when we pray, we say, not my will, but thine be done. God then, in his love, designs our life to meet that critical date with destiny. And that date with destiny is what God will have you do that he will reward you and me for throughout all of eternity. So, how do you want to live? Want to live it your way? No one at control? Because you say, well, I'm, I'm the master of my ship. Really? Do you know what's going to happen tomorrow? No. No one does. But see, when you're a Christian, you don't care because you're in Christ. As he said, that they would be one in me. I don't want to just be one in the world. The Bible says that road is paved wide going to hell. It's a lot better to be on God's plan. God's driving. Well, how do you do that? Well, the Bible says our sin has separated us from God. And and sin is simply rebellion against God, not doing what God wants. Now, God says, look, I want your life to mean something throughout all of eternity. We go, no, I'm going to do it my way. And God goes, you're goofy. No, really, he does. I, I mean, why would you trade something you'll never be able to keep this life Why would you want to try to hold on to that for what you could give to God and have forever? It doesn't make any sense. Why would somebody do that? Well, the Bible has the answer for that too. The God of this world, Satan, has blinded people's eyes. So, when you pray and you say, Father, bind Satan from people's eyes that they can see the great deal you offer them, not only in this life, but in the life to come. That you'll energize me, you'll help me, and even though sometimes it might be difficult, you'll see me through it, I'll have an eternal reward. Why would anybody turn that away? Because Satan's a good liar, man. He's been lying to humankind for 6,000 years. Don't let him lie to you anymore. Now, if you're a Christian that's been nominal on the fence, and you've been thinking, well, you know, there might be a shortcut here, I might be able to, you know, get away. It's, it's, why? Why? Be about your daddy's business. That's what's fun. Because that's where the power of God is. I've shared this many times before. People say, why was God such a God of miracles in the Bible? And we don't see miracles today. Well, God still is a God of miracles 
today, just as he was through the whole Bible, Old Testament or New. It didn't just happen in Acts chapter 2, and many people say, well, the miracles all ceased with the apostles. No, it was all the way through the Bible. Well, then, why don't I see more miracles? If you live in Christ, you live close to the edge. You see the miracles. Tell me, is there anything going on in your life where you're pushed right up against the wall and you need a miracle to get you over it? Most people don't like to live there. I like to live in the comfort zone. I like my white picket fence. And I get upset when God comes along and goes, I don't like that. But God says, I've got to get you out of your comfort zone because I'm going to grow your faith. And when I grow your faith, you're going to see the miracles and the power that I have for you. Oh, that's, that helps. Now I know what to expect. Jesus said when he was looking at the cross, Father, I've got to go do what you call me to do. And he did. And we're the result of people saved. This morning, if you're not saved, I want to invite you, consider Jesus And let him be the Lord of your life. Let him drive your life. Now, there's only room for one driver. I've saw that bumper sticker for years. So Jesus is my co-pilot. I want him to be the pilot. I'll sit in the back. I'll get in the trunk. You drive. Because if I'm driving and God's helping me, I have a tendency to go... You ever... I remember when I was... I've never shared this. I remember when I was in the seventh grade and our youth pastor had a little boy, probably about a year and a half old. And I remember this was back in the old days, back when the earth was cooling and I had my little pet dinosaur. We didn't have car seats. And I remember he let his little boy drive. Now he was really driving down low, but his little boy is up there like this. And we were all going to go swimming up in the hills in Whittier, uh, in, in Southern California, and, and, we, and he was driving. And I remember, I go, I remember I was in the back seat, and I was going, yeah, that's pretty cool, man. He's letting this kid drive, you know, and he's down below like this. All of a sudden, this kid grabs on the wheel and went, whoom, like that. I mean, he just, and that was a little bit more than dad's hand down here could only, we all got saved that night. Uh, but anyway, and, and, and I remember that, and I thought, you know, that's the way it is. That's why I don't want to be a co-pilot to Christ. I want to be in the back seat. You drive, because I might go, let God be God. See, that's what you do. You rest in him. He's the Lord. We're the servant. His way, not my way. You're going to be blessed. That's where the power of God is. That's where the miracles of God. If you've never received Christ as your Savior, let's pray. Let's repent. And let's get right with God right now. Father, I come to you in Jesus' name. And I invite you into my life today. I have lived in rebellion to you. From now on, this day, your ways, not my ways. And I'll trust you with my life. Let me see your miracles. Heal my heart. Adopt me into your family. And may my life mean something in eternity. So that I can be effective in this world. I commit my life into your hands. I believe you died on the cross for me, Jesus. So now fill me with your Holy Spirit. And thank you for eternal life. In Jesus' name.
Thank you for joining us on It's Time, as Pastor Mike teaches verse by verse through the Bible. If you've missed a program or would like to catch up, you can do so by getting it from the It's Time podcast in the iTunes store or by downloading it from the It's Time website at theriverchristianfellowship.com slash it's time. On behalf of Pastor Mike and the rest of us here at the River Christian Fellowship, thank you for listening and tune in next time for It's Time. It's Time.